you know, you tell yourself before the race, all right, anything can happen. You control what you can. Don't worry about the rest. Deal with it as it appears, right? Um, <laughs> and I was ready for anything and everything except for that. Diz Runs Radio episode 774 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, just in case you haven't heard yet, my YouTube channel is back on track. Uh, it had been a while. I think it had been like three years since I had posted a video until uh, I, I got uh, you know dusted off the old cobwebs and started it rolling again at the beginning of September 2019. And uh, now we're four, four episodes back in as this episode of the podcast drops. Four YouTube episodes of the Ask Diz Show is back where basically it's kind of like the listener Q&A questions on the podcast, but instead of doing it podcast form, it's video. So if you have a question that you would like to ask, you can ask me via email. Send it to askdiz at dizruns.com, and I'll go ahead and answer it for you. And if you don't have a question, but you just want to kind of check out some of the past episodes and uh, you know, just ch- check out the YouTube channel, it's uh, dizruns.com slash YouTube that'll get you there. You can go ahead and subscribe if you're so inclined. Um, and you know, see what comes there. I might mix in a few reviews as well. Um, maybe not instead of the ask Diz episodes, but in addition to, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure it out, kind of figuring it out as we go here. Um, but we're a month in, I'm having fun with it and would love to have you check it out. If you're so inclined, Dizruns.com slash YouTube. So now without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's guest is a fellow ultra red team guy, which uh, pretty much means that he either runs really far or really fast, or in most cases, and probably in today's case, uh, a little bit of combination of both, fast and far. It's it's uh, ridiculous being around those those men and women, and it's it's uh, always a joy to be able to chat with one of them. Today's guest, uh, more specifically, is uh, currently in the process of completing the uh, the last great race, which is uh, is equal parts ridiculous, awesome, uh, mind-boggling, um, and certainly something that we're going to spend a fair bit of time talking about today. So uh, let's not waste any more time. And uh, without any further ado, it's uh, a pleasure to be able to introduce Mr. Martin Schneeklot to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Martin, and, uh, and welcome. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, certainly. The, the pleasure is, is mine. And guys, if you want to uh, you know, follow along a little bit more with, with what Martin's got going on or, or see some, some things from, from the past and, and some of the adventures that he's had, uh, Ultra Kraut running.com is the website that's ultra u l t r a kraut k r a u t running just you know that one's pretty straightforward ultra kraut running.com and uh, on instagram you can connect with martin there uh just the first half of that so just ultra kraut at ultra kraut u l t r a k r a u t as per usual we'll have everything linked up in the show notes which today you can get to them by uh, just pointing your browser to disruns.com slash 774 which the link will take you back there we'll have the the Cliff's Notes version, the links, the photos, all of the things, disruns.com slash 774. 
So, Martin, the way we always uh, start off each episode of the show is uh, with a with a pretty simple and straightforward question that uh, some people struggle with a little bit because there's there's a lot of good answers out there, uh, and sometimes it can be difficult to narrow it down. But uh, it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Sure. So um, there's you know for me there's two answers there, but really the one I'm going to give you is. Uh, the true answer, and that's the 100-mile distance. And it's certainly not because I've mastered it. It's actually <laughs> my favorite distance because I haven't mastered it. Not That's not to suggest that I've mastered any of the other distances, <laughs> right. but you know, running a 50K is, to me, these days, pretty straightforward, right? You train, um, you get your nutrition dialed in, you go out, you run hard, you finish, uh, sometimes faster, sometimes slower, but that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, the 100 mile distance, no matter how much I train and how I mentally and logistically prepare, uh, there's always something unexpected happening at all times. So I kind of like that, that it's not just about the running, but it's about the mental game. Um, even if you undertrained one day, as long as you're mentally there, you can still do well. Or even suddenly you think you've got it all figured out and your stomach goes south. Um, there's <laughs> always something to deal with. Weather, so many factors. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I enjoy the 100-mile distance the most. Yeah, it's uh, every every so often, you know, you you crazy ultra running people come on the show and talk about the 100-mile distance as being, as being just this this awesome awesome distance. And, and, you know, here I am still wrapping my head around, like I've done, I've done a handful. Oh, well, not even a handful. I've done three 50 K's to this point. And I, I wrap my head around 50 K. Like that's, that's, you know, like you said, it's, it's doable. Yeah. It's still, it's, I still definitely see it as a challenge, but it's still doable. I'm starting to yeah. sort of warm to the idea of maybe 50 miles, but a hundred miles is just still just beyond comprehension to me. But, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, similar, similar to what other folks say, there's always so many, so many things going on, going on yeah. that, uh, it's just, it's just an adventure in and of itself. Absolutely. And that's kind of what, uh, attracts me to it the most. It's the adventure. It's the just spectacular places it'll take you to run a hundred miles. I, I, I don't care how bad a day you have, but if you've picked a course that intrigues you, um, you can't really have a bad day. Now you might be out there longer than expected, right? But uh, it's really hard to to have a bad day when you're in the mountains or beautiful trails, whatever region of the country or the globe you're talking about. And honestly, that's what what attracts me the most, and that what drives me. Um, no matter no matter how bad a day I may have. Gotcha, gotcha. How did you uh, get started in in this sport? Is running something that's uh, long been been part of your life, or or fairly new? Or how did you how did you find your way into this uh, crazy world that we all uh, know and love? Well, um, I've played soccer for almost all my life, uh, or football, as they call it in Europe. <laughs> um, and so running really was always more of a punishment, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you put a ball in front of me, I really had no interest in running. And it wasn't until my early 30s that I actually started just you know, using running as a way to stay fit um, during long working hours, kind of break out of the office during lunch for a short run with colleagues. And um, before I knew it, um, I was training for my first marathon. Um, Just like many other people, right? It's this, oh, I've got to at least try it once. Mm -hmm. Um, Trained a bunch, thought I was ready, and basically uh, locked up two miles from the finish. Every muscle in my legs just seized up and... uh, 
I peg-legged and made my way to the finish line uh, in a time that obviously was not what I had hoped for. Mm -hmm. And because I'm quite competitive in nature, I decided right then and there, okay, we're going to have to try this again. We're going to have to do better. <laughs> and um, trained for my second marathon the following year here locally, and this uh, Rocket City Marathon. And as I was prepping for the second go-around, um, I came across a couple of fellow soccer players at a local 10K race or 15K race. And um, we're chatting why we were running and what we were doing. And I was just kind of explaining I was training for a marathon. And they were like, well, you know, there's a local run here. It's a 50K. It's called the Dizzy 50s. And it's on trails and it's a lot of fun. And you can stop any time. You don't really have to run the 50K distance. You could use it as a training run. Mm -hmm. And um, I just hadn't really had quite the uh, an idea of what a 50k was all about and wasn't really sure started running with these guys and uh, you know evenings to kind of get used to trails and well um ran it <laughs> towed the line at this 50k a month out from my goal marathon um <laughs> blew up at 24 miles exactly um walked it in for six miles most miserable six miles of my life um and was hooked after, uh, plain and simple. Um, I haven't looked back since, and I've now been running ultras mainly for the past 10 years. Wow. It's, uh, you know, you, you had me, we, we were on a similar path there at first. I, I wasn't uh, as much of a, of a footballer or a soccer player, right. um, but I, I played I played ice hockey in, in mm -hmm. high school and, and kind of coming up through that, that route. And, and, you know, same thing, you know, running was conditioning and running was, was punishment, uh, you know, and, and I played other sports as, you know, when I was younger, younger and, and the same yeah. type of thing, you throw, throw a ball out in the field, throw a ball on the court, whatever, like I'll, I'll yep. run all day. But, uh, you, you, you lost me with, uh, the first marathon goes, goes bad and immediately want to do it again. Cause I was definitely the, yeah, I'll do, I'll do this one time. And you know, I was ill prepared and as you know, it, it, uh, cost me big time. Uh, I blew up a little bit earlier than you. And I was just like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. And, and I'll never do this again. And you got, you're two for two with, with blowing up and having a, a rough finish and, and wanting to go back for more. Is, is that something that, uh, I mean, you said competitive, I feel like I'm yeah. kind of competitive too, but, yeah. uh, are you a little bit of a glutton for punishment as well. A little bit of both, yeah, um, because it also is kind of reflects exactly how it went for my first 100-miler. Um, I think I'm trying to remember the time frame here. I'd say I had been running for a couple of years when I attempted my first 100, and it did not go well. I had um, IT band issues uh, that I've not had before or since that kind of forced me to call it quits. And... Um, yeah, the next morning I was on ultra sign up. Um, if it was it even ultra sign up, it, or might have been I, I, I don't even think. Up, right. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it may have been something else, but I was online searching uh, war, far and wide and, and close and anywhere I could find a race, a hundred miler, as soon as possible to really, you know, get this thing, get this thing wrapped up and actually get it done and complete it. And um, I, I did. And it wasn't pretty, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I did. And again, that kind of started the whole, you know, this is, this is painful, but this is also a lot of fun. Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, we all, I think we all kind of get to that point at some point, whether, whether your, your big distance is the half marathon, the marathon 50 K yep. up to, up to whatever kind of crazy, you know, the two hundreds and, and 200 plusers yep. these days that, that people are running. Um, but you know, yeah, we, we struggle maybe the first couple of times, but keep coming back for more and eventually start to start to enjoy it. Um, yep. I, I, I 
don't want to fast forward too much, but I do want to fast forward to kind of recent, recently-ish, or well, yeah, very much sure. recently, because I want to I want to spend some time talking about the last great race a, a little bit, because this is this is something that that you know, being more of a road runner myself, certainly more of a, a marathon maybe like I said, 50 K type of distance runner. I didn't even know about this, uh, until, until we kind of connected here and kind of preparing for, for our chat today, the last yeah. great race, which is, which is running, um, the six oldest, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm getting this right. The six oldest hundred mile races in the United States, all in, in one season, which turns out to be 14 weeks in, in length. Um, yeah. What what a what a what a crazy challenge you know running running one one hundred mile let alone six of them let alone six of them in in uh, you know just a, a touch over three months um, wh- where did this this idea kind of come from to to <laughs> pursue something like this yeah um, so initially you know it, it, um, I've been trying to get into the Western States one hundred for the last five years mm. and when I find when my name was finally drawn for this year's race. Um, I was super stoked and excited, shared it with my training buddies right away, and and it wasn't a minute into me telling them about my entry into Western States that one of my friends, actually I call my friends enablers, um, uh, <laughs> he said, you know, it took you five years to get to Western States, you ought to consider doing the Grand Slam of ultra running. And the Grand Slam of ultra running is essentially running four of the five oldest um, hundred milers in the US over the course of one season. And so I was like, oh, that, that's a cool idea. Actually, you're right, because if I have to wait another five years to get back into Western states because of the lottery, right. which is very competitive, um, I probably won't do it. So now's the time. I'm not getting any younger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. I set. I started uh, creating a spreadsheet, looking at the races I'd have to enter in the lotteries, and which race had a lottery and which one didn't. And of course, started immediately scouring the internet for people that had done it before me. Um, being a blogger myself, I was looking for race reports and did the entered the Grand Slam and and race reports and so forth and search and came across a blog from a couple of guys. And I'm sorry, I don't recall their names. Uh, from two years ago, and they were referring to the Grand Slam and the last great race. And I was like, the last great race, what is that? And, well, uh, it's the six oldest races in the U.S. Uh, that all fall within a 14-week window. And so I was intrigued and um, started looking into it more, what races those entailed. And all of these races, just spectacular races. Mm-hmm. I hadn't done either one of them. And I thought, well... Again, you know, I, I'm always up for a challenge. And, of course, I think the nature of an ultra runner is that we do try to push ourselves <laughs> to see, you know, how far we take this until we go no further. Um, so I started entering all these different lotteries. And um, before I knew it, um, I was uh, one of two guys in 2019 to attempt the last grade race. Wow. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's 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 – kind of mind bending just to think about doing one 100, let alone, let alone six. But, but then you start to get into, you know, you make it sound like it was so easy. I just entered the lotteries and and I got picked and obviously Western States is the hardest one, but there's still several other other lotteries that that you have to to get into. What what was the the logistical process or was it, was it, I mean, how how nerve wracking was it? Like that, that whole process of seeing like, here's my goal, but it's not just a goal that's straight up in your control. Like you've got to, Things Correct. have to fall in the right place. How was how that kind of mindset okay. through that process? 
Yeah, so I I went from easy to hard, right? So Old Dominion is the only race out of those six races, the Old Dominion 100 in Virginia. It's the only race that actually just has a straight up sign up list. So you want to run the race, so you enter it, uh, you sign up, you pay your fee, you're good to go. Um, all five other races have a lottery. And so I entered these lotteries, and I'm not really – uh, one of the most lucky guys when it comes to that. Some people may disagree, but I don't feel I'm very lucky when it comes to lotteries and tickets and you know raffles and those mm-hmm. things. Um, I got lucky in most of them. And when I did not get lucky, uh, a couple of those races uh, provided what's called conditional entry. Uh, so what the race directors would say is, well, you did not get picked in the lottery, but if you fulfill the requirements for your challenge, you know, be it the Grand Slam or the last great race leading up to our event, then we will have a starting place for you. Mm. Um, and so with that um, and, you know, kind of uh, awaiting the other lottery results, I managed to get into all six of them and uh, consider myself extremely lucky and uh, glad that I chose to do so this year because who knows what happens in the future. Yeah, you got you got to get a lot of things to to shake out your way, but that's that is I mean, you know, thinking of it or thinking logically of it, you know, if if you're one of those those latter races, um, you know, that that yeah. you you don't want to be I I would assume at least as as the race director, like right. I wouldn't want to be the one that was like, "Oh, sorry, you know, like you had the, you had this chance yeah. to do this really epic thing where there's the grand slam, the last great race." Um, yeah. you know, have a couple of those things set aside just in case, like just in case, here yeah. we go, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work for you. And that, and I'm more than appreciative of that because I do understand every race director has their own you know, limitations with, uh, with permits and so forth. I know it's very difficult in the U S to get the permits and it's very restrictive. So anytime I reached out to a race director here or there to ask, you know, how we could work this out, they've been very helpful, um, and again, I find, you know, asking nicely sometimes gets you more than going on social media and blasting someone for not making accommodations. So I always believe that is the best approach. I also believe that if a race director were to say no, then that's it. It's um, like I said, it's their event. Um, I'm not, you know, you never know what's going on in, in their in their job. And when it comes to races, like I said, it's, you know, some of the races are very small for a reason and some of the races are very large for a reason. So whenever they're willing to work with us runners, I'm just very appreciative because I know what it takes to be both an RD and a volunteer. Certainly. Certainly. So, um, you, you find out you're, you're able to do, you know, all these races or at least a couple of them conditional, where as long as, you know, things are going yeah. according to plan at the beginning that, that you'll still be able to do this. So it's, it, it becomes a, you know, like this is really happening. This is something that, yes. I, that I can do this year. <laughs> um, what was, what is the, the, tr- like, is the training like that for something like that different than the training? If you were just do- like just, if you were just yeah. doing one, 100 miler or, or like what, how does, how do you prepare for yeah. this many races this close together? Sure. So honestly, uh, full disclosure, there's no way you can train for six races. Um, like, I mean, there's no way to do a training plan for that. Of of course, everyone has a different approach, but so the way I looked at it was at the totality. I looked at, okay, like what are the different factors of these different races? What are the characteristics? Is there a lot of running in most of the races? Is there a lot of climbing? And honestly, what ended up happening is that everything's represented in these races from very runnable to very mountainous. Mm-hmm. Um, so really all I try to do is um, to do a variety of training. Um, 
in, in years past, I may have trained mostly focusing on climbing to get vertical gain when I ran the UTMB, for example, um, or a race like the Penhody when there's more running to do, I would focus on just long runs, steady runs, making sure that I can run late in the, late in the race. For this one, I tried to mix it up, um, basically get a little bit of both and train towards the first hundred. Um, with the thought being that once the first hundred is done, <laughs> you're essentially going into a recovery mode slash taper mode mm-hmm. until the next race. Um, and just let your body be your guide. If, if, you know, if, if you're really tired, you know, get more sleep. If you're really hungry, you know, eat. Right. And if you feel like going for an easy run, great. And if uh, suddenly on the first hill, your body tells you, um, I don't, I can't run right now. Then you just walk and you cut it short and you and you realize, you know, I still need a little bit more time. Right. Right. Um, and, and the reason I'm kind of going down this, this route, if you don't mind, Martin is, is that, no. um, I know that there's, you know, there, there may not be a whole lot of people listening. There might be few that, that would have the ambition of doing, you know, 600 milers in, sure. uh, in one season. But I know there's people listening that like to, you know, stack a bunch of halves and, and full marathons in, in a short window in a, in a fall racing season or yep. whatever. Yeah. So, uh, you know, these just for everybody listening as well, these are the type of things that even if your hundred miler isn't your thing, you know, there's, there's some things to take away from this as we go. Absolutely. So Absolutely. You, you kind of prepare for the first race as, as best you can, like you said, then kind of taper recover. But what, what, you know, what, what was the recover or what has the recovery been like between, between races as far as, you know, anything that you found that maybe you didn't know kind of going in that works better for you? Or is it really as simple as difficult, but as simple as just kind of listening to your body and letting that really take, take the lead and not yeah. being stuck into any one method of, of recovery? Yeah. So initially, I tried to follow this regimen. Being German, very structured, you know, it was all right. I've got to have this recovery drink an hour after the first, and I got to make sure I sleep, and I got to make sure I only eat clean foods, Mm -hmm. no matter what my body is telling me, and 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 do this, and don't do any running for a week, and then do a little bit of running. That pretty much went out the window after the first (laughs) race, and uh, I changed things. And again. I, I used to be very attached, and I still am, to my data. You know, I track everything I do. But what I had started to do from the very first race kind of forced upon me was to not look at my watch at all. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that. So my watch died on me in the very first 100-miler an hour into the run. Ooh. So from that point forward, I had no idea of the time of day, the distance, the distance to the next checkpoint, my pace, nothing. And it was actually quite liberating. Um I, I really didn't care too much about knowing my pace, but it was obviously about knowing where I'm, where I'm at in the race. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was forced to listen to my body because I did not necessarily know when to eat other than, you know, there was no schedule. There was no, okay, it's been 45 minutes, take a gel. It's been an hour, did you mm-hmm. take salt? Um, so I listened to my body and I ran by feel and I kept with that throughout these first five races. And I actually ended up doing the same um, after the races, right? So appetite, what's my appetite like? And try to, you know, eat until I didn't want to eat anymore. And same with the running. Um, The first time I took a long one-week break, 
before I started, you know, I, I did some walking in between, mm -hmm. of course, to work out the soreness, but no structured runs. And in fact, I've kept it pretty relaxed. It's really been more about reconnecting with friends when I'm back in town and not working. Mm -hmm. And um, just kind of kept it easy and relaxed. Um, some days I, I knocked out a six miler at a pretty good clip and felt great. And others, I, like I said, I hit the first hill, you know, four days after Western States. And I was like, yeah not going to happen today and uh, just kind of jogged back home and was okay with it. That I, it's, it's so important to, to listen to your body. And it's something that, that uh, is certainly, you know, like, just like about like everything, it's easier to say than, yeah. than to do sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. Um, going back to, to that, to the watch dying uh, during, during the race. Um, I, I've talked before, um, about the, you know, trying to, to just roll with the punches and, and especially on race yeah. day, you just kind of have to, to, you know, take what your body gives you, take what the weather gives you. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, just, just kind of adapt and adjust and not try to freak out too much. But, exactly. uh, you, you know, like you said, you might not be worried about your pace, but certainly knowing distance, knowing, you know, time frames for fueling, things like that for a hundred miles, that's, that's pretty important. Yeah. When when the watch went out on you, was, was there a moment of, moment of panic or, or um, how did you, how did you respond so in the moment? Yeah. So I think it was actually, it was the best that could happen to me for the whole summer. Cause it, it really, <laughs> you know, you tell yourself before the race, all right, anything can happen. You control what you can. Don't worry about the rest. Deal with it as it appears. Right. Um, <laughs> and I was ready for anything and everything except for that. And, um, it took me about, honestly, it took me about an hour. Um, I would catch myself. I keep looking down thinking, did it come back to life? You know, did it maybe reset on its own? I kept fiddling with it for a little bit. And ultimately, after about an hour or so, I was like, you know what? This is exactly, exactly what you've been talking about to yourself, getting, trying to get ready mentally. Things happen that are out of your control, and you just have to accept them. And um, really, the thing that came to mind at that point is like, was basically saying, telling myself, you know what, it could have been a rolled ankle, it could have been a torn muscle, a pulled muscle, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Physically, I'm still fine. I still have, you know, everything's functioning fine. The body is working. I'm mentally there. We're just talking about a piece of equipment that failed. So just keep on tracking. And um, I did, I adjusted, I started running with others, kept kind of asking them, you know, what time is it just to try to kind of make sure I don't go too long without taking in fuel and so forth. And it worked. And again, it set me up for every race after that, you know, whatever happens, happens, and I'll be fine with it. And I honestly, in all five races so far, did not once think about quitting. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a big deal in running 100 miles to be mentally always in the moment and be able to say, you know, yeah, it sucks right now. But you know what, you're going to get this done. Yeah, that's that is is pretty impressive. Do you have you know from from the mental side of things, um, as folks that listen to the show regularly know that that's that's an area that really has kind of been my weak link, and, and maybe it's not so much of a weak link anymore. It's still maybe not my strongest asset, but I've been, yeah. been trying to work on the mental side of things, you know, and and especially you know you, quote unquote only the marathon, like it's just a quarter of the hundred miler, but there's still there's the there's the mental fatigue sometimes. Absolutely, the, this sucks and this hurts, and I don't want to keep yeah. going. How do you, how do you work the the mental side of things um, for you and in, in your racing and in, in the longer distances or even the shorter stuff because I know you still dabble sure. on that on occasion as oh, well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I found <clears throat> since we're speaking of the hundred mile distance, and I think that applies to marathons as well and other races. You have to 
understand and know the why for yourself. And this is not my own idea. This is something, you know, over the years you read different articles and books and you take little bits here and there that you think are maybe useful and work for you. Um, and I found um, understanding why you're doing this and making sure that you remind yourself of that while you're in this whatever race it may be. Uh, and also having more than one goal. Um, seen it in within, you know uh, my own close circle of friends the this uh, desire to perform a certain way in a race and when that didn't happen they had no backup plan to go um, well why am I doing this clearly I'm not going to hit my a goal so I'm done right and I think um, and that's okay I mean if that's your prerogative then wonderful um, but I, I find for 100 miles, unless you're a professional athlete, and maybe even not for them, but if you're running 100 miles, you better have more than just an A goal, right? And um, to me, that's a minimum of two goals and a maximum of three goals because it's still – you don't want to complicate things in your head either. Yeah. So there's a, for 100 miles, there's a A goal of uh, maybe run a PR or run a course PR. A B goal is a, well – Things aren't really working that well, so let's shoot for the B goal. And the C goal is to always finish. Mm -hmm. And that's that's always my my absolute bottom goal. No matter what happens, the goal should be to finish unless they drag me off the course because I'm missing the cutoffs, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, you've said a couple times uh, in the course of, of the conversation that, you know, in, through the first five so you know letting, letting the cat out of the bag as, as we're recording this in case people haven't picked up on that your five five of the six uh have yes. have, have happened so far um has it has it been you know the, the first five and, and you know going back to the original answer there, sure. there's always something in the in the oh, yeah. in the 100 mile distance there's always there's good times there's there's rough patches there's yep. there's the whole gamut um yeah. that said you know as, as much as a 100 mile can be can be smooth sailing have sure. they been mostly smooth sailing or have you had some some real struggles and and uh you know maybe maybe this isn't going to happen moments along the way so far yeah so there has been all of that so <laughs> it started really really almost too easy um and there's no such thing as easy 100 miles right. so don't take this the wrong way but uh the first one old dominion 100 in virginia um went as expected um i did okay to the halfway point, never really struggled that well. I was running solo and connected with another runner. We kind of worked our way through the early night together, if you will. And when I realized that sub-24 uh, was going to happen, um, knowing that I had five more races to do, I kind of took the foot off the gas pedal a little bit and uh, continued running and just enjoying the time out there and uh, finished. So all went well. Uh, I got my sub-24, was super stoked because um, the Old Dominion 100 only awards finisher buckles if you run it under 24 hours. So that went great. Um, next one, next up was Western States. And anyone that's into ultra running has heard of Western States. And obviously, there was a, other pressures on me as well, right? I mean, you, that you put on yourself. Um, it's a, the, the big dance in the U.S. and um, you want to do well for yourself. And uh, so having sub-24 at the first one, the goal here, the A goal here was to do the same at uh, Western States. And um, temperatures were promising, but there was lots of snowpack on the first part of the course, the first third of the course. So 10 miles into it, I was already way off target mm. um, to break the 24 hours. But um, with the help of my wife as crew and a very good friend of mine as a pacer, 
I was able to kind of get some of that time back and eventually, you know, succeed at my A goal in breaking 24 hours. Um, third one up was um, Vermont 100. And uh, it was either the hottest year on record or the second hottest year on record ever for that race. So what was supposed to be a fairly fast and easy course comparatively ended up being the most challenging of days uh, in my summer and uh, finisher rate ended up being 48%. And, um, that was a lot of walking towards the end of that race. And, uh, again, super thankful for one of my friends who paced me through the last, uh, 30 miles uh, to actually get me to the finish. So squeezed in and under 24 hours in that one as well. And so now, of course, I felt I was on a streak. <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> Big mistake because next up was the Angeles Crest 100 in uh, California. Mm -hmm. And it's the San Gabriel Mountains between the Mojave Desert and L.A. And temperatures were hot mm -hmm. um, as well as they were in Vermont. But they were really hot here. And you've got deep canyons uh, what felt like deep canyons and um everything went well and you know again this is this whole when you finally think you have things figured out uh, something's going to smack you in the face <laughs> and uh, that's exactly what happened i was about 45 miles into it thinking man you know living in the southeast you can handle the seat this is not bad you just dial it back a little bit and you just keep on trucking um, six miles later, I'm laying in the medical tent for an hour and a half, shaking and shivering oh, uncontrollably no. and being unable to slow my breathing. And um, that took place for about 90 minutes. And I got to say, um, it is always amazing to be at an event that has very experienced volunteers and medical staff because um, kudos to Angelus Crest, their goal was to get me up and going again and not to say, you know, you don't look so good, you should probably call it a day. Mm -hmm. And um, I had plenty of time at that point, um, and they recognized that and just said, let's just see if we can get you back to normal. And that was the first moment when I was actually in fear of being able to complete this challenge. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things going through your head. I mean, as you can imagine, six races across the country, lodging, rental mm -hmm. car, hotels, race fees. There's a lot of financial responsibility attached to that as well. And, um, and when you're trying to save money, lots of it not non-refundable. Right. <laughs> so it was one of those moments of, well, you're not quitting, but honestly, you can't do anything if the medical staff does say, you know, you're done for the mm -hmm. day. You, know, you have to pack it in. Um, they didn't. And I did recuperate enough with the next 90 minutes to finally get some food in me and more electrolytes and got back up and just in time uh, for a friend to come into the aid station, another uh, Alabama native. And we ended up um, moving on together. He was having a bit of a harder day as well. And we finished. Um, so that was number five. And that was the moment when I realized, too, okay, Keep the eye on the big prize. Don't worry so much about, you know, running this time or that. Time. Just make sure you finish it or else it really won't matter. Um, which brings me to last weekend, um, the Leadville 100, the fifth in the series. And once again, um, I, was tr I realized very early on that a lot of folks that have attempted the Grand Slam or just attempted Leadville 100 in general – 
uh, as flatlanders, you know, I live at mm-hmm. 650, 650 feet. We don't um, get to train at altitude. So I took a week vacation and a week of remote work and got to Leadville about 10 days prior to the race to be at altitude. Um, thought I was ready, um, but it uh, turns out that the air no matter how acclimated you are as a flatlander, the air is still very thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the time I rolled into 62, it was pretty much clear that um, I, I was walking more now than I was running. And so it became a, a war of attrition within myself, really, to try to just keep one foot in front of the other, do not stop, and just keep moving until you cross that finish line. And I did. Um, but that was, again, the last two races have probably been the hardest. And from what I'm told, it's not going to get any easier. <laughs> the final race that I still have ahead of me. And that, and that one's Wasatch, right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. I hear, I hear that one's a, a real bear. Um, yeah. go, going back to the, the incident in, in Angeles or, uh, yeah. with, with the, you know, being in the medical tent and, and them not being, you know, encouraging you to drop out or, or pulling you right off, right off the course right then. Right. Um, first question, did that have anything to do with the, the last great race channel? Like, did they know that you were <laughs> as part of this bigger, it was, it was more than just this one race for you? So the medical staff did not know this, okay. but the, one of the, uh, I, I don't recall a name. This lady had finished bad water close to 10 times, I believe. Mm. And so she was quite the experienced ultra runner, and especially with bad water, she's experienced everything I was going through there. You know, bad water being known as a very hot race, right. the, the hottest. Um, she knew what heat can do to you, and she also knew that you can bounce back. Um, I did whisper in her ear. I said, <laughs> "I said, I know I don't look good right now, uh, and if you didn't know any better, I would probably keep me from continuing as well." I said, "But trust me." I've done this a few times and I have a lot riding on this race because if I don't finish this one, then this whole series is over for me. And she said, don't worry about it. You've got plenty of time. We'll get you back out there if at all possible. And so, yeah, it was a little bit of her knowing this and me sharing it with her because I, again, I did have that fear of them saying, you know, you should probably call it. Right. Oof, yeah, that's, 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 it's, it's one thing I, I, I feel like from the outside looking in, yeah. it's one thing to be at Leadville and just being like struggling to breathe, but like, Hey, if I can just kind of walk, if I get, you know, keep, keep moving yeah. and, and hopefully, you know, just stay ahead of the, the cutoffs and, exactly. uh, and whatever, but yeah, you know, heat, heat issues. Like that's, that's one of those things like, I'm, I'm to me, they're just not worth trifling with, but in this situation, you know, I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do. So glad that they were able to get you taken yep. care of and calm down and, and get you back out there. But oof, that was, yeah. that was, uh, oof, hopefully this, yeah. this, hopefully Wasatch, like I said, even though it's not going to be, so they're not going to be easy. Not that any hundred yeah. is ever easy, but no, hopefully it's a bit more smoother sailing like the first few races, as opposed to these last couple that have been uh, a bit, yeah. uh, a bit crazy. Yeah. Let's hope so. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Um, one thing that, uh, you know, I don't want to run out of time before we, we talk about it a little bit. I know something yeah. that's, uh, fairly fairly near and dear to you for uh, maybe not all of the 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 greatest of reasons right but um i i know again i'm going to give you just a little bit of details and you can hopefully fill in some gaps here but mm-hmm. you had you had a, a a bit of a health scare several years back um yeah. with some blood clots and pulmonary embolisms and yeah. deep vein thrombosis and which are all different blood clots and of course you know have to be a, a medical uh, expert to know that you start getting blood clots floating around in your, in your bloodstream yeah. that that can cause some, some real serious issues really quickly. Um, yeah. how has, how has that medical history, 
um, well, just first of all, w- when that happened, I mean, how, you know, mm-hmm. like how quickly did you did you catch the situation? Like how how close to you know us not having this conversation were we? Like like how, yeah, how serious close. was that situation? <laughs> it was pretty serious. So this was in end of 2012. I had just completed a hundred mile or attempted to complete a hundred miler and got in, injured in a soccer match, um, ankle injury. Um, it was more severe than initially diagnosed, um, and being put in a in a boot to try to rest that ankle was actually the exact wrong thing for them to do. They uh, misdiagnosed a fracture of the ankle and a tendon separation. Um, <clears throat> so to speed this up, so essentially misdiagnosis led to um, deep vein thrombosis, blood clots in my leg because of the immobility and the traumatic injury to the ankle which ultimately moved to my lungs. Both lungs had multiple uh, pulmonary embolisms. Um, and it came on very sudden, um, the, the, actually the, the issues, which was I was feeling a difficulty breathing and initially thought I'd may, maybe cracked a rib or strained a muscle. Um, and within four hours, I was in the ER. Um, again, late to th- December, right before Christmas, 2012. Um, and... Long story short, I was in the hospital for about a week, and the first 48 hours, um, they didn't know if I was going to leave the hospital um, because they can't really do much other than give you blood thinners and hope that it doesn't break loose and kill you. And so the first two days were pretty traumatic for my wife, more than for me, because I was on morphine, so I didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that was the beginning of a very long rehabilitation process because – they couldn't do reconstructive ankle surgery until I was free of clots and right. it required certain precautions. And so I spent the better part of 2013 not running at all and just rehabbing PT and in the pool and doing all kinds of things. So there was no racing going on in 2013. Um, but obviously, I spent a lot of time researching this issue um, and come to find out, and that's really why I would like to bring it up here is because endurance athletes in particular, regardless of your pre-genetic disposition, um, uh, are very, we are very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Susceptible, predisposed? Susceptible, absolutely. Especially after long distance running when you dehydrate your body mm-hmm. um, and then decide to travel, be it by car or plane or train, whatever your mode of transportation, you're at a very high risk of developing blood clots in your legs. Um, uh, meaning when you're very active, let's say you run 50 miles, 100 miles, you're dehydrated, you get on a plane, you don't move for five, six, seven hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy for you to develop blood clots. So the one thing I'd like to say is for folks to, if you have a moment, you know, research it, um, research DVTs and PEs and how to prevent it and do yourself a favor and buy a pair of your um, preferred compression socks and make that part of your routine that if you do travel and if you must travel within a short period after completing an ultra, um, wear compression socks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll help you, you know, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. And whenever you get a chance, you know, stop, pull the car over, go for a little walk. Um, right. It can save lives. And I, I'm not a very, you know, I don't talk about this much, but um, I do share it when people ask. And I certainly have shared it plenty with uh, my close running group. So just a little piece of advice. Hopefully that'll help everyone to kind of keep an eye on that. And certainly whenever you feel a strange swelling in your calves just below the knee, um, don't just write it off. Um, have it checked out because that's usually the first sign that you're dealing with something like this. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, w- 
one of those things that I think is it's easy to to let it fall under the radar or, or fall off yeah. the radar, not even not even think about. Um, yeah. But especially, you know, people are, you know, and I'm guilty of this too. You know, you go to, you go run a race. It's it, like you said, it's a, it's a weekend getaway. You're running the race. Yeah. You're, you're flying home, may, maybe even the same day or, or driving home the same day after the race. Several hours yeah. in the car, not moving. Um, compression socks are are certainly good uh, to help you know just kind of push the blood back out, which is, yeah. which is what what you need to do. Any other, uh, you know, I, like obviously, you know, this is this is very near and dear to you since it's it's something yeah. that you're predisposed to as well. Um, yeah. What other kind of things can we do to help you know kind of keep that you know keep keep the uh, the risk as as low as possible? Yeah, hydration. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a big one. And uh, the reason that's the first thing that that's causing them, right? If you're if you're dehydrated, blood is not moving well through your mm-hmm. system. So make sure you hydrate, even if that means you have to get up a hundred times. In fact, if you're flying back home, you want to overhide you know, overhydrate mm-hmm. to a degree because it's also not only going to keep you hydrated, it's also going to make sure you get up while you're flying because you have to use the bathroom. Right. <laughs> as silly as that sounds, but those are the key things. Keep moving whenever you can. You know, if you're driving, pull over every hour or so, stretch your legs, walk around the car. It doesn't really take much. Mm-hmm. Um, and just be aware of it. And if you do develop uh, a swelling, a hot swelling or of your, of your lower limb, you know, below the knee in general, um, sometimes it can just be a pulled muscle, you know, I'm not, not here to do fear mongering, right. but, um, uh, it can be blood clots and I've seen it. I've seen it locally with friends where it ended up being DVTs and not every doctor diagnoses it right away either. Um, but it is the, well, well, we'll just leave it as this. I can tell you a lot of people die of blood clots in hospitals. So right. it's just not something that's very popular and it's not something they really have a cure for. So the idea here is prevention is key. Right, right. And if people want more information or to do a little bit of their own their own research, um, sure. I believe that the National Blood Clot Alliance, right? Is that, that the place to, yep. to or a, yep. a great place to go look around for information? Yeah. Or Google, um, I think if they Google stop the clot, they may find some information as well. Gotcha. This is one of their slogans. Yeah, it's it's one of those certainly one of those topics that uh, you don't want to you know it's it's not a fun topic to, to talk about but certainly right. um, like most things it's 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 more uh, it's less painful to talk about prevention than it is to talk Correct. about what happens when when you don't yeah. prevent it and uh, you know I mean it can be 100%. it can be something that obviously ends very very poorly so certainly glad that that didn't happen to you and and certainly if we can you know get that uh, message out there to everybody just just be aware and you know my my personal rule for whatever it's worth is if I'm driving back from, from a race, um, pretty much no matter how long, how short the, the drive is, um, every every rest area, you just get out, yeah. whether you have to use the bathroom or not, just get out, walk in, right. walk out. Obviously, just yeah. from a, you know, try not to be too sore the next day, period, that, that kind exactly. of thing helps. But certainly, exactly. it just gets the, the moving, you know, not going yeah. all, all physio- physiology here, but moving gets the, the blood pumping, helps to push that blood out of your out of your calves, out of your legs, which is, you know, what we're... What the cat, what the compression sleeves are trying to do as well. So just another little yeah, idea for a, you. Yep, it's a win-win no matter what reasons you're doing it for. Absolutely, absolutely. So as we're uh, kind of getting to the to the end of of the tale here, Martin, um, we, we'd love to ask. And the, the way I kind of typically do this, I call them the philosophical questions. So it's just kind of one sure. one last question, uh, kind of like the introductory question, very open-ended. Uh, you can take it whichever whichever direction you want. And this is where we'll kind of mm-hmm. kind of wrap things up. But um, just, just be curious, uh, you know, at, at this, at this point in your life, you know, going back from, from the beginning of, of running where, you know, the first couple of, of longer races didn't go well and you, you wanted to come yeah. back for more right, right off the bat. Um, and now that, you know, 
not that the hundred milers ever go perfectly smooth and right, perfectly right. according to, to plan, but you know, you're starting to, get, I feel like you're starting to get those figured out halfway, halfway decently, at least. Yeah. Um, why do, why do you keep running? You know, why is, why is running, why does running continue to be an, an important part of your life? Something that, uh, you know, I, looking at your website, there's no plans of slowing down. I know there's some big goals for next year as well. Um, why do you, why do you keep doing it? Yeah. So it definitely changed over the years since I first started running. Um, at first it really was a way to get fit. Then it was a way to, you know, compete with my self you know run faster and faster on road races of any distance and really it's morphed into more of a i just love the adventure i am uh, honestly it's all about the adventure now and finding places interesting places to run in and experience while i can you know it's not everyone has that opportunity i totally understand that but there's adventures that don't cost any money you know that you can take on your own out on your own local forest or park or trails and Really, that's what it's been about the most for me these days is just to see more and more of this beautiful planet. There's so many amazing places that you will never be able to experience by car or even by bike. And uh, the longer you run, the more amazing places you get to see. And honestly, that's what keeps driving me. Um, certainly, <laughs> there's an aspect, uh, is an aspect of, okay, how can I top this last adventure <laughs> or this last challenge? How can I see if I can push it a bit further? I'm not going to lie. That's always on my radar as well. But um, the first qualifier is always, okay, where is this taking place? Is this a place I want to see and experience? Mm -hmm. mm. It's, it's, uh, it's a great reason to keep going. And I feel like I've got about a, a dozen follow-ups on that as far as what other things you might want to do, but I'll, I'll say, we'll save those <laughs> for another day. Um, yeah. but, uh, and obviously never know what the, what the future holds, but, uh, certainly, uh, Martin, thank you for, for the time today. Certainly wish you, uh, obviously nothing but the best in, uh, in Wasatch and, and in, uh, you know, other races this year and, and, and beyond as well. And, and guys, once again, if you want to follow along with, uh, some of the, the epic adventures that, uh, Martin has planned both short-term and, uh, you know, kind of loosely planned for, for long-term as well, uh, ultracrautrunning.com again, U-L-T-R-A. K-R-A-U-T running.com and on Instagram at ultracrout. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 774 is the link to take you back to the show notes today. Um, and by the time this, by the time you're hearing this, hopefully uh, Martin will have completed the the Wasatch 100 and, and have finished the last great race. But uh, Martin, uh, certainly, like I said, wish you nothing but the best. Give it give it hell out there in, in Utah uh, at the Wasatch 100 and uh, can't wait to uh, to see see your celebration. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and I'm not going to jinx anything, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that I, I, I'm sure you're going to do it. So uh, thank you for the time today. Enjoy the, the little bit of recovery that you have left before that race. And uh, like I said, nothing but the best going forward, my friend. Certainly, and I appreciate uh, and really enjoy chatting with you very much. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Martin and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was, what was that thing that really kind of resonated with you, that really kind of stood out to you um, with Martin talking about all those crazy races and end? Also, you know, since we recorded this before he did Wasatch, he did in fact do Wasatch. So he completed his, uh, his, his crazy adventure, all of the hundred milers, um, just ridiculous. But from the episode, from what we actually talked about, what was, what was your takeaway today? Uh, for me, it goes back kind of early ish in the discussion. Uh, Martin was mentioning that he used to have kind of this, this fairly rigid 
recovery checklist. I think he even made a joke of like, you know, kind of being be in German and you got to have a, a checklist and a system and you go from step A to B to C to D. Um, and, and in theory, I think that's the kind of thing that sounds good. You know, it, it's like, I'm going to get X amount of sleep and not run for X amount of days and, and eat this and have a recovery that and massage and yada, yada, yada. We all have kind of an idea, at least there, if you've run long enough, you have an idea of some different things that, that might work for recovery. But then he said that it didn't take him long to realize that, that maybe having this rigid pre-prepared checklist of steps to, uh, help his recovery wasn't the best bet. And, uh, you know, kind of mentioned that, that listening to his body might be more important. And so, you know, knowing the, I, some of the different, I don't want to say ideal. That was what I was going to say, but I, that's not the right word. But knowing some of the different modalities, some of the different methods of speeding up recovery that work, you know, whether it is, and all these things do work, of course, you know, sleep, being well hydrated, eating, you know, healthy, nutritious food as much as possible, um, getting some gentle movement, taking some time off of, of not running, but maybe walking or going real easy in the pool or on the bike or something like that, doing yoga, stretching, foam rolling, massage. All of those things can help. All of those things do help. But it's not like we need to get um, a, a set A, B, C, D to, to maximize our recovery or to, to get the, the best out of it. Different races have different demands. Different races require different strategies for recovery. How you perform in a race, how your training went before a race. There's a lot of things that factor into how long your recovery is going to take and what the best methods of recovery are going to be. And so Martin talked about how he ditched this, this rigid schedule and started listening more to his body and doing more of what his body needed, listening to his body and mixing it up. And sometimes recovery from a race might take a couple days. Sometimes it might take a week. Sometimes it might take a couple weeks. It just depends on all the variables. And then, you know, what you're going to do coming out of it is may, may vary from one race to the next. And so while I don't have a takeaway, that's like a rock solid, do this, do that, which I don't think I usually do, but every so often in this case, it was just a good reminder that, that recovery after a race, whether it's a hundred miler or 600 milers in, in whatever it was for Martin, 14 weeks, something like that. Um, or whether it's just, you know, you, you ran your first marathon or your first half marathon, or you hammered it for a 5k or whatever it is. It recovery is always going to be a little bit fluid. It's always going to be a little bit different. So don't think that what you did for the last race is necessarily exactly what you have to do for this race. Listen to your body, check in, see what's, see how you're feeling and kind of adapt and adjust and go from there. Um, and I'll, I'll put in my plug for being pain-free plus three before you start running again, which again, that sounds like it's a one size fits all rule, but it's not, it's not because how long is it going to take you to be pain-free might take you two days, a week, 10 days, two weeks, who knows, who knows. So part of that recovery process, that recovery protocol is to maybe not have a rigid protocol, but to, to experiment and try some different things. But always, always, always be listening to your body and, uh, you know, just trying to make, trying to make the right decisions, which Martin has clearly done a good job with staying healthy through this crazy summer of 600 milers. Um, 
just crazy. Congratulations to him. Um, and what about y'all? What about y'all? What was your takeaway from today's episode? Would love to hear it. Uh, let me know at DizRuns on Twitter, at DizRuns on Instagram. You can also send an email, as always, to DizRuns.com. Or DizRuns.com. Come on, Diz. To DizRuns at gmail.com. That's, that's how email addresses are written these days. Uh, so you can send an email there with your feedback from this episode. And then you can, you can go to the website and leave your, your thoughts and feedbacks in the comments section of, of the show notes for today's episode, which you can get to at disruns.com slash 774. Disruns.com slash 774 for today. And uh, don't forget, the next time you're over on YouTube, you can also subscribe to the uh, the Disruns YouTube channel, which is back, coming out of retirement, out of uh, purgatory, if you will. It's back to, to doing things. New content going up. Each and every Wednesday may mix in an extra bonus video here and there as well, but at least every Wednesday is the plan for right now. Uh, you can get there, disruns.com slash YouTube, or just, you know, over on the YouTube, start searching for disruns, and it, it'll pop right up. Get yourself subscribed. Check out some of the past videos. Check out some of the Wayback videos if you want to see some some shenanigans, because there's some of those there as well. Um, but you can do that on your own, ti- on your own time. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up for today. Thank you all for listening. As always, hope you enjoyed this episode. I uh, hope you're inspired by this episode because uh, Lord knows I was. This Martin is, is just awesome. Just an awesome dude. Um, and uh, again, I hope you enjoyed some of his stories and, and, and uh, some of his accomplishments. And if you did, go ahead and share this one with somebody. Pass, pass it forward. Pay it forward. Tell somebody else about the show. Um, but until next time, thank you guys for listening. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk soon. All right. See you guys.